Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. Uh, we've got a great episode for you. We are joined again with Rooster Teeth's Blaine Gibson uh, as we continue our series on the Satanic Panic. This episode is uh, a lot of fun, weirdly dark, but not in the way that you expect. That's kind of the easiest way that I can put it. Uh, before we get started, though, we do want to mention that there was an issue with my microphone um it turns out that we've come full circle narratively speaking i started on this podcast as the person who made the sound better and now ironically i have made my own sound worse uh through a weird mishap i don't know really what happened my computer was recording the audio from its microphone instead of my really nice microphone which you are hearing now so during this episode uh my audio sounds like i'm on a zoom call which i kind of was so it's not that bad it's really gonna be fine i don't know why i'm convincing you i mean you're gonna listen to the episode you're already here i hope okay well now that all the like not cool fans are gone and you're still here I know that you're really going to enjoy this episode, and it's really not going to impact it that much. Um, so yeah, without any further ado, let's get into the show. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits. And as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have Andrea Gazetta. Yay! Yay! And with us we also have Blaine Gibson! Yay! Yay! <laughs> yeah, I'm back. <laughs> to the, to the, the viewers that don't like me, they're like, this guy, another way. Why, why do you always no assume one has people said that. Don't I just like assume. You. All right, I just assume, all right? It's it's a deep-seated fear I brought with me from high school, okay? I can't imagine anyone being like, fuck this guy. He brings all the abs to this podcast. Get him <laughs> <Yeah>. out of here. <laughs> Every single message we've ever gotten has just been like, I'm such a huge fan of Blaine. I'm so glad to see him on the podcast. It's so yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I wasn't asking for an ego boost, all right? So. <laughs> I wasn't giving you one, you fucking tiny man. Yeah, I'm huge. I'm huge. All of Stop the it. reviews are just, we wish Blaine was always on this podcast and none of the rest of you. Goodbye. Yeah. I wish Blaine had hosted this podcast alone from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys for having me back for Satanic Panic Part f uh, or four. Four? Four. 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 How many, are, how many parts wow. are there? Who's counting? Uh, what is Next time? part's the last part. Six. So it's, it's five total. Five total. Wow. Blaine is very handsome and cannot do math. <laughs> no, I'm joking. You know, because six Shocking is like no the, the Satan thing. Are you actually, are you going to ever talk about that? What's up with the number 666? Oh, I can if you want. We did it uh, in our um, our speculation zone on it, but it's a numerology calculation that most people get wrong. Oh. Hey, guys. What's the deal yeah. with 666? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Ladies. Ladies. It's them translating Hebrew words 
to what they believe are corresponding numbers. And so there's actually multiple different number options and a couple different versions of it. So it's really kind of meaningless, but it's pretty fun how much of the Bible is just mistranslating Hebrew. It's real fun. I mean, it didn't stop us from referring to Ryan Reynolds as 666 pack when we did Amityville the other day. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, use it as you will. Um, So last week we talked about uh, how music and other pop culture elements came under fire because people thought Satan was in them. Uh, And part of that was because of the ongoing paranoia of the 70s and people who had claimed to worship Satan previously, although fraudulently. And I do have an update from last week. I found out that Sheena Easton's Sugar Walls was also written and produced by Prince. So Prince made the... the Wow. Prince made the Filthy 15 three times. Good for him. What an overachiever. I know. He's on one-fifth of every Filthy song. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty hot. I was listening to um, the the Janelle Monet album, like the one that the last one he did before he died. And that song is also filthy. And I was just like, good for you, Prince. Yeah. Good for you. Wait, Prince died. What? <laughs> I'm kidding. Sorry. Why are Blaine, you what's wrong up these with memories? you? It's, it's, it wasn't a good it joke. I don't know. Think just... about. So this is what it sounds like. When it does cry. Fuck. What's Michael um, Jackson going to say about it? Uh, <laughs> oh, oh my God. no. I, uh, I, I have been doing a little bit of thinking uh, on the last episode that we recorded about Satanic, uh, like the people who claim to have practiced Satanism. And I realized mm. that the thing that made me so mad was it's the exact same energy that all those lame kids I knew in high school who lied about previously doing drugs that they've never ever done before and they have like no idea like i there was kids that used to lie about doing like smoking weed and they'll be like yeah you know how like like you gotta like you know like light the like the weed on the spoon and then like then you <laughs> like inject it with the bong i'd like i used to get like so fady and it was like oh jesus you remember like sometimes you'd smoke weed and then it would like make you like get a van and travel across the country trying to sell people. Okay, wait, that one's real. That one actually, <laughs> now that I say it out loud, I mean, it's very I'm just real. Gonna, not all of us did drugs. And so sometimes we don't know about them. And so sometimes you find out that your college roommate made edibles with the peanut butter that you had in the room. And then you spend a week thinking that you've been dosed for a week. And <laughs> she's like, I would never waste weed on you. Fucking nerd. <laughs> That's okay. That I have no problem with people not doing drugs at all. You can be a loser in the in your own home, and that's Thanks. totally fine. Wow, <laughs> hurtful. The problem hurtful. that I have is with people that don't do drugs and then lie about them to be cool. And it's like, first of all, with stuff like weed, you don't gotta lie. Weed's not actually that cool. It's really lame. Uh, it's you're just getting high, ordering too much food, and thinking that movies. Uh, are that are really bad are really good um how dare you insane clown posse's big money rustlers is still great <laughs> stellar the, the biggest problem that i had though was i had like a friend in high school who used to lie about like doing heroin and it was like oh. why? what why, why would that you be lie like a flex about that? 
Yeah. Exactly. Why are you going to flex about how many sad naps you take? Damn. Exactly. Because uh, during my my like generation slash era of high school was all about like who can be the biggest sad guy and that that's what it was all about and i don't know if you guys have ever had to talk to people who are currently in high school but their whole thing is like who's the most hydrated dude like i'm 17 i go to therapy and i have a very loving relationship with my parents what's up (laughs) it's disgusting honestly i'm chevin i would never do heroin oh I was going to say, I I didn't do any drugs or alcohol when I was a kid because I was like straight edge. I didn't drink till I was 21, but I did do, they had wine at an Episcopalian service where they were doing the, uh, <laughs> whatever the fuck, yeah. Blaine got fucked up on Jesus. Holy shit. Yeah, and I remember drinking it and I was like, I was like, whoa, I'm partying. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. oh my god! I used to. My family used to make me take a shot of tequila every New Year's uh, since I was like nine. So I, you know, and then when I was twelve, my uncle, who was a cop, saw me taking the shot, and he came over to me, and I thought he was gonna arrest me for <laughs> for drinking. And he goes, "How old are you?" And I was like, uh, "I'm 12. And he took the lime and the salt away, and he just looked at me and he went, "You do it like a man." Whoa! <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> I thought my story about smuggling a whole suitcase of wine bottles back from Italy at 16 was going to be cool, but that is way cool. Is it is it cool or is it child endangerment? Definitely still out. Definitely child endangerment. Why do I sure. have dangerous relationships with alcohol and marijuana? I don't know. It's checking statute of limitations on that. <laughs> When I was younger, I didn't understand. Like, I, it wasn't that I was, like, trying to be, like, straight edge on purpose. But, like, I didn't understand how any of the drugs worked. And everyone was like, oh, that's cute. And just never explained it to me. So I would just get past, like, bongs and, like, what's the thing? The Like, a bowl. Like, I'd just, like, get past drugs. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. I'm sorry. Andre's and I'd go, like, no, thank you. And a kaleidoscope. <laughs> ah! <laughs> it's just fun tea kettle you got there yeah but i was like i really like art so i was like oh this is a really beautiful glass piece this is really interesting but i don't know i don't how do you i don't understand i'm so sorry i've only taken a hit off a bong once and instantly regretted it it hurt my throat like crazy oh oh yeah 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 yeah. bongs are bongs are like uh there you really gotta work your way up to it you start with a joint and then you hit a piece and then you do a bong that's like the order of operations that you should do and then once you've mastered that then you do dabs which is chemistry but for marijuana Mm -hmm, Um, thanks i'm good weed science Two uh, two things. First, first of all, if anyone is listening and has ever been in that situation, and if quarantine ever ends and you find yourself in that situation where somebody passes you something, uh, just pass it. Just pass it to the next person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't say anything. Don't bring attention. Like, don't be like, I don't smile. Just be like, oh, thanks, and then pass it along. No one will ever, ever, ever judge you at all. That's and... how I got through my first two years of comedy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's Nervously quietly- laughing. Yeah, just, just like yeah. yeah. What was that? And just pass it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just act like you've the, like it doesn't even you know it'll yeah, yeah. be totally fine. Don't don't feel nervous at all. Secondly, before we get started, I do want to say that I have been thinking about it, and I realized that 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 my uncle, who is a cop, taking away lime and salt and making me as a twelve year old do a straight tequila shot was mm-hmm. my first instance of police brutality. Hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. It's coming from inside the family. 
<laughs> oh, no. I am, I am so speaking of devilish men. Let us get into uh, this fucking episode. Let's do it. So today we're going to be diving into repressed and unlocked memories of satanic ritual abuse. Are you ready? Yes. I feel like I feel yeah. like that's a better segue because I feel like my memories are that. It's just like, why did you make me take a and you're like, I blocked out the time he made me drink 151. It's uh, Yeah. It was a new year. My new year's resolution was to not do it next year. <laughs> uh so let's get into our sources. Uh because this is gonna be a pretty dense episode and we've already spent like twenty minutes talking about weed. So <laughs> Our first source is the Vox article that we've been pulling from for a little bit of basically every episode, uh, Satanic Ritual Abuse History Explained. Uh, we also have a book by uh, Debbie Nathan called Satan's Silence, Ritual Abuse and the Making of a Modern American Witch Hunt. We have an article from McLean's Magazine by Paul Gresco called Things That Go Bump in Victoria. We have... <laughs> Okay. It, it'll make sense. It's Victoria the place, not a person. Okay, I was about okay. to say. It's dirty. It's I was raunchy. like, I don't like it. That sounds unsafe. We have an Oxford University Press article called Theater of Disorder, Patients, Doctors, and the Construction of Illness by Brant Wenigrat. We have a 1992 FBI report on satanic ritual abuse uh, by Kenneth V. Lanning. Uh, that we found via Rick Ross's Cult Education Institute. Um, Wait, not what? the rapper. Oh. <laughs> You're welcome. Just the preeminent named. cult researcher in America, I, Rick Ross. I also went to, to middle school with a kid named Rick Ross who is now a DJ. So we were in the gifted program. He's really... That guy gets so many undeserved gigs. People are like, holy <laughs> shit, I got Rick Ross for a great prize. Oh, fuck. He hates it. He's so upset about it. Change your name, bro. I don't, I don't want to like flex on anybody, but Rick Ross played at my wedding. So <laughs> <laughs> he was a lot whiter than I remember from the videos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Accurate. So uh, we have, and I we never use them as a source. This is one exception. It's from 2003. Fox News. Oh. oh. Experts say no proof of satanic cults. And it's uh, an expose that they did in 2003 by C. Spencer Beggs. Interesting. Uh, so they used to do journalism. Yeah, so they, <laughs> used, they used to do journalism, huh. apparently, according to this article from, you know, 20 years ago. Basically. Now they just do journaling. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. Dear Diary, today the Democrats hurt me in the following ways. Um <laughs> Why is every Fox News broadcast just like the Stan writing a letter in that Eminem video of just like. Yeah. Dear Trump, <laughs> you never even pardoned any of my friends. I never <laughs> want to write you ever again. Exactly. Uh, we then have the main source for the bulk of this, uh, which is Michelle Remembers, a book by Michelle Smith and Lawrence Pazder. We'll talk about them at length. Um we have an article from the National Post by Tristan Hopper, How Canada Tricked the World into Believing Murderous Satanists Were Everywhere. Damn it, Whoa. Canada. We have, what? Yeah, we have scientific studies by Elizabeth Loftus called The Myth of Repressed Memory, False Memories, and Allegations of Sexual Abuse. We have additional experiments and articles by R.J. McNally, The Science and Folklore of Traumatic Amnesia, as well as Dispelling Confusion About Traumatic Dissociative Amnesia, we have an article from Psychology Today 
about uh, the persistent myth of repressed memories. And then we have the following court cases, Mora versus State Board of Examiners, Cooper versus State Board of Examiners, Roy versus Hartogs, and all of those three lead up to a 1977 ruling by the APA that sexual contact with a patient or client violates the Hippocratic Oath. Are you guys ready? Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised right. that it took so long to get to that conclusion that you shouldn't fuck your your patients. Some of them were doing it for their own health. I no. mean, you remember, we've talked about it at length, how many doctors were just jerking ladies off to get them to be quiet for like years. <laughs> You want to know how to shut a woman up? Make her come. I don't know. Just <laughs> vibrate her till her brain hurts. It's great. <laughs> uh, so as I mentioned last time, we went over how America went through some growing pains that really kind of led to the satanic paranoia. And it seemed like everything in America was really trending towards a fever pitch of paranoia surrounding the devil. But then Canada said, hold my beer, because <laughs> in 1980, a book was published by Dr. Lawrence Pazder and his patient, Michelle Smith, that would change the world forever. And that book was called Michelle Remembers. And before we get into the book itself, we need to do an overview of who these people are. So let's start with Dr. Lawrence Pazder. Lawrence Pazder was born in Edmonton, Alberta in 1936. He completed his undergrad and pre-med in 1961 at the University of Alberta, and then he received a diploma in tropical medicine from the University <laughs> of Liverpool in 1962. I did look up what tropical medicine is because it does just sound like a doctor writing prescriptions on a beach. And just oh, like I'm not pretty sure. Medicine. Yeah. Like you're listening to Bob Marley. Like you're just having a good time. Right. Like oh. When you said tropical medicine, I heard steel drums instantly. I definitely. Was like, oh. Definitely. I went the other way. Tropical medicine to me sounds like something that Scarface said he practiced in the movie Scarface. I'm pretty sure the dispensary down the street traffics in tropical medicine, to be honest <laughs> with you. It's just weird. Eating coconuts and you're like yeah, you're fixed like, get out of take here take some rum also i figured they did a typo on his diploma and it was actually topical medicines but you know they just <laughs> no, it, with it. It, it is tropical uh tropical medicine is the study of the world's major tropical diseases and related conditions they're uh. basically a series of about 17 diseases that don't occur naturally in metropolitan eras and so they get understudied so because they're not common in the places with the most concentration of people, there aren't as many doctors treating them. So it is a, an area of specialization, but it's things like hookworm, river blindness, elephantasis, Chagas disease. Basically, a lot of the things that you would get from being in the jungle. So so a dude from Canada. Right. Yeah. Why is <laughs> yeah. this dude? Is well, studying... Tropical yes. medicine and then parlays that into hypnotizing people? Yeah, Same. we'll get to it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so he actually spends a few years practicing medicine in Nigeria, uh -huh. um, specifically tropical medicine. And then he returns to Canada where he completes his psychiatric training at McGill uh, and then goes on to work at two different hospitals before he decides that he's going to start his own private practice and that's where he meets Michelle Smith. Yeah, putting the private in private practice, am I right? <laughs> Ladies. It's called Pazder's Paradise in his tropical themes. You go in, <laughs> Can I offer you a coconut rum? <laughs> now, how did that make you feel? Like, just... 
Um, <laughs> I wrote my thesis on how do they get the lime in the coconut because I listened to the song <laughs> and they don't say. It just says put the lime they in don't. the coconut and then you shake it all up. There's no further instruction. I've been passing the duchy on the left-hand side for years and I'm just not feeling whole. Anyway, in 1973, Lawrence Pazder first started treating Michelle Smith for depression following a miscarriage, which... Here's the thing. Miscarriages are super rough and I fully understand somebody seeking mental, you know, wellness after that. Yeah. Totally get it. It's rough. But then this shit takes a very strange left turn because he was treating her for about three years when at one of her sessions, she confided that she felt like she had something important to tell him, but couldn't remember what it was. Which, like, if I had a nickel every time that I had something important to tell someone and they couldn't remember what it was, I could afford consistent psychiatric care. And that's really <laughs> what this is all about. Um, but he took that as she was repressing something, which is a pretty big leap to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's some Olympic level pole vaulting. Well, his first diagnosis was that she just had river blindness. And, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> He's like, I'm pretty sure that this is malaria related. Oh, yeah. you haven't been near mosquitoes? Then I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh, but according to him, in her next few sessions, she actually had a session where she spent 25 minutes screaming nonstop. Oh, God. Hmm. Maybe she needs to join a metal band. Well, yeah, uh, but after the screaming, she started speaking in the voice of a five-year-old. Probably because her fucking voice, like, broke from all the screaming. <laughs> yeah, is this just between the buried and me? What is this? Yeah, it's... So, within those sessions, he then begins subjecting her to hypnotism. Intense hypnotic sessions for 14 months in a row for over 600 hours. Question, is hypnotism a still like a legitimate practice? Like, do people still practice it? They do practice it. We'll get to it. It is hotly debated as to whether or not it is both ethical and valid as far as a medical treatment. Okay. Yeah. It's it's mm -hmm. a thing that you can practice at like uh, birthday parties, but maybe not in the doctor's office. Yeah. I guess that's what I was referring to is like, are doctors like, edu yeah. There, there still are people that do. And they completely outlawed medical clowning, by the way. That's not yeah. uh, at all. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, you get to one breast exam and start honking things and it's all <laughs> over for you. Dr. Bozo turned my intestines into a giraffe. <laughs> I got referred to oncology for... Uh, yeah, if you get squirted in the face in the doctor's office, like, that's a malpractice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But if it's yeah. the other way around, it's just your gynecologist. Am I right? Ladies. Ladies. I will not participate in that. <laughs> That's fair. That's a fair. I shouldn't have said it. <laughs> Jake came in and was like, what's going on in here? I was like. <laughs> See, I love that Blaine is like, no, hold on a second. I don't want to get HR involved. We are HR, dude. Yeah. yeah. We're the owners of a company, Blaine. <laughs> I don't know which one of us handles HR, though. I don't think we ever hammered it out that far. I think technically speaking, it's you. I think like on in terms of like oh, the way that fuck, the company split good. up. But you are more than allowed to just put it off onto Andrea. I mean, what's she going to do? 
hurtful. <laughs> I mean, hey, Andrea, how would you like a job in HR? <laughs> Honestly, let's do this. <laughs> I have some opinions. <laughs> HR, but in this case, HR stands for uh, horsey relations. And she just Ooh. looks at pictures of horses and tries to find potential dates for Mikey, your co-host. <laughs> <laughs> on the other two podcasts. Oh, good luck with that. Uh, so. I don't know. He seems like, yeah, he seems like a horse woman would find him agreeable. But like specifically a woman that looks like a horse and got too many fucking teeth in her mouth. I think Sarah Jessica Parker is taken. I yeah. know. <laughs> but Hillary Duff's not, so... <laughs> podcast we are mean i have no beef against sarah jessica parker only the meme i've just i've spent all day roasting mikey for his his taste in women especially after he posted a picture of chris angel and tried to tell people it was my type so like it's on oh you said nay nay (laughs) indeed blaine if somebody showed me if somebody told me you were into chris angel though i would believe it Especially what after that fuck? high school what? photo that you posted. No. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. He you wanted to, you wanted him to freak your mind for sure. Yeah, you no. seem like you seem you give off I'd fuck a magician vibes like heavy. What the fuck? How am I giving off I'd fuck a magician vibes? That is offensive. I'm hurt. She's about to perform a disappearing act, guys. Be careful. <laughs> is this be- is this because I talk about Jack Parsons too much? <laughs> I have a visceral hatred of magicians, but if a dude was like, hey, girl, you want to see something amazing? And then a flock of pigeons flew out of my pussy, I'd be like, whoa, what the fuck? You're talking about Prince. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a vagician. Vagician. I love it. Jake's off camera with like black mascara. She's like, hold on. I got to (laughs) go deal with this. How did they find out? (laughs) <laughs> he's got the thing where it looks like you've been crying with your mascara on but it's drawn in <laughs> how dare you say I would have sex with a magician I'm offended I thought you guys were friends Jeez. <laughs> Blaine started it <laughs> what? Paige you gotta you have to take up a, a, a claim with HR against Andre because this is ridiculous oh no <laughs> Uh-oh. This is a real conflict of interest. <laughs> no, no, there's nothing. I wish there was something better. But I would never fuck a magician. I'm like... Me either, Paige. She's Loki. It's her. I, I, I know. I am, and she's really defended herself with this. It's it's all right, Paige. We, under, we know. I have a brand to uphold in these streets. <laughs> Offensive. <laughs> anyway, after he subjected her to over 600 hours of hypnosis... She began to remember uh, what she believes is her childhood memories of satanic ritual abuse from when she was five years old, between the years of 1954 and 1955, at the hands of her mother, who she says sold her to the Church of Satan. I mean, this is just false confession on steroids, right? Like, it's... When you start when you create doubt in someone's mind like every time you remember something your mind reforms that memory like it has to kind of redraw it Mm. so it's always like a copy of a copy of a copy so like you can really convince people of anything that's how gaslighting works also it's 600 hours that's like enough to get your pilot's license yeah that was 25 days or like 75 eight-hour sessions god like anybody could believe anything after 600 hours 
Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's important to understand that at the time that this is taking place, her mother's long dead, has been dead for years. So she's talking about somebody who can't like walk in and be like, hey, that was that didn't happen. I what? What are you talking about? Um, But it's really important to note that the rest of her family was super alive and still available and lived only a few feet away from the office where this was happening. Oh. And her therapist, Lawrence Pazder, didn't contact them to corroborate any of this information. He also didn't check any any widely available documented sources at the time, which would have proved this to be delusion and untrue. And according to her, in the book that they wrote, she says that her mother sold her to the Church of Satan and said, you belong to the devil now. And she was imprisoned for 81 days, forced to drink urine, eat cannibalized flesh, bathe in the blood of dismembered children, God. participate in ritual murders, and endure a cage filled with snakes and spiders. Ugh. And according to her, she met Satan himself at an event called Feast of the Beast. His name was Joe Rogan, and she was on Fear Factor. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Feast of the Beast is what I call my midnight snacks. But ultimately, she was saved by direct intervention from the Virgin Mary. So, like, okay. first of all, mm-hmm. she is an adult woman. Mm-hmm. How much do you remember about being five? A lot. Well, you're <laughs> much younger than the rest of us. I was going to say, all of the things I remember from that age are, like, deeply traumatic. <laughs> that is actually... Remember that in a couple minutes. Yeah. Ta- I mean, not those specific things, but when we talk about this in a minute or two, that'll actually be very important. I have a couple of good memories from five. Like, there's just yeah, things that, that blip up ones. in my brain. Yeah. Like, mostly, yeah. mostly good memories. Nothing like, I mean, this woman, from what you described, it sounded like she stayed at a Red Roof Inn in Plano, Texas. <laughs> oh, that's a Fuck callback that to place. like, what, a hundred episodes ago? Damn. <laughs> I am Fuck from the town place. over from Plano, Texas, by the way. Um, oh. Terrible red roof ends. The worst <laughs> dream nightmare that I've ever had was when I was five, and I remember it very clearly. What yeah. was it? Uh, th- th- I think this is around the time of Goosebumps, but there was an episode where there was like a monster living in a pool behind some lockers at a high school or something like that. Anyways, my closet door opened up in the middle of the night and there was a fleshless man that was giant and hulking lurching towards me and i remember it very clearly. so so much blaine blaine yeah. god blaine i'm not your therapist but holy shit <laughs> yeah anyways what are we talking about satan stuff <laughs> oh man jesus my dreams all involve real people murdering me so it's like very scary uh, my... i was are you afraid of the dark not not my mine are all uh, apocalypse themed. I have apocalypse nightmares often. I I went through a phase of that. It was pretty sick. Like you get your battle axe ready. Like you f- kick some dragons' ass. Like it's pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> Couple things. First of all, this is just another proof that the Canadians are the ones who are ruining all of our dreams and fears. Uh, <laughs> with Satanism back in the day, and with Are You Afraid of the Dark and Blaine's Childhood. Oh shit, that's true. Oh it yeah. Was a, it was a Canadian. Oh show. yeah. Oh yeah! Holy oh, shit! Oh yeah! I hate I it. I remember that guy. It looks like like a skinless Sasquatch. Scary. <laughs> Meat squatch. Meat yeah, squatch. Yeah, he does look like a sloppy Joe came to life. That was his name too, Sloppy Joseph. 
<laughs> I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I imagine that Meat Squatch was Blaine's nickname in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Blaine, were you ripped in high school or was this a post high school development? This is a post high school. Like, yeah. a, like I got ditched at prom and then from that day forward started like running a mile every day and lifting weights. Like I, there was no tomorrow. You're yeah, a, I got a lot of issues. If you guys want to do like a, a yeah, speculations on why I am the way I am. Blaine is the girl <laughs> taking off his glasses. Yeah, just, I'm not Josie Grossy anymore. <laughs> I want to do a speculation zone with Blaine about his childhood trauma, but instead of recording it, uh, it's just a private conversation. And instead of us, it's a therapist. Um, <laughs> and it, it's a recurring show that happens every week. Um called therapy <laughs> yeah that's that's brutal high school people can be very mean i'm sorry that happened to oh you. no it's fine I'm, I'm, I'm not beat up about it no it's fine <laughs> let's talk about satan it's fine I'm my recurring about nightmare it. by the way this is very on brand or on point uh my recurring nightmare by the way is that i get i keep getting sent back to high school as a fully grown adult and i'm just like they like make me your nightmare sit is in, like, billy a, madison yeah that's exactly <laughs> what it is i'm just in in a science class and I'm like I shouldn't be here and they're like well you're here aren't you and I'm like I'm gonna I pay taxes and they're like <laughs> I own a not business. here you don't yeah not here you don't. I run HR <laughs> and I don't know high school isn't that bad for me I feel like the opposite of Blade's uh story where I made plans to go to prom my senior year with my then girlfriend and then I blew it off because my mom got us tickets to go to Coachella and I went to Coachella with my mom I forgot to tell this girl that I would not be going to prom until like a few weeks before prom. I'm a bad Armando. person. Yeah. I'm a very bad person. You Armando. did the ditching at prom. Were you my date? <laughs> yeah. I, I, Blaine, I didn't want you to find out this way. Um, oh. I've been trying every way to get in contact with you just to tell you I'm sorry. I Real went gotcha to our, moment. I went to our 10-year anniversary hoping to see you from high school. <laughs> you weren't even there. I'm trying to find my prom photo because I had to post it for Romancing the Pod not too long ago. Oh, hell yeah. I've never been to prom. Never Mine went to prom very luckily don't once. exist. So did you actually go and got ditched there? Yeah. Well, so like it's a complex story. We like went and I remember driving her from the dinner we all went to as a group in my Chevy HHR piece of shit car. Uh, sorry if you drive that listener. And uh, we got lost <laughs> along the way because she fucked up the navigation. And it's like as soon as we landed, boom, didn't see her the rest of the night. Weird. Yeah. yeah. She made up with some other guy. I don't know what his name is. I'm so sorry. It's, it's, it's really Damn. fine because, I mean, she was not a very good person. No, it doesn't sound like Yeah, it. she sounds like she sucks. Sounds like a very bad person who has no appreciation for a good Chevy. Chevy HHR. Hatchback. There you go. You know what could have happened in that hatchback? You fucked up. What was her name? <laughs> Michelle? I feel like it's Michelle. Olivia. <laughs> oh, even worse. No, if it was Michelle, she would have remembered. Oh! <laughs> Segue back into... <laughs> Way there to bring it back. There you go. I'll I'll find this picture later and post it another time. Uh, so anyway, um, the book also included a statement from the local bishop of the Catholic Diocese in Victoria, Remy de Rue, which says, I do not question that for Michelle this experience was real, but in such mysterious matters, hasty conclusions could prove unwise. Which, 
is basically him saying, I'm sure she thinks it's real, but like, nah, 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 Mm-mm. nah, uh, which brings us to a lot of the things that have been debunked from this book. So she uh, she recounts large satanic rituals happening in Ross Bay Cemetery, which is a large public cemetery. And at the time, Victoria was a city of retirees, and they happened to be pretty good at spotting suspicious behavior. In fact, their police blotter at the time was full of, like, neighborhood watch. Yes, yes. I thought you were going to say they they happened to be pretty good at dying, which is why that <laughs> graveyard was such a good hang. Yep, yep. Um, but he never questioned how crowds of cloaked figures ripping kittens apart in a graveyard wouldn't attract a call to the police or animal control or even a noise complaint or even a security guard from the cemetery. How a giant crowd gathering on a regular basis for 81 days wouldn't bring about the notice of the community never occurs to him. Yeah, fire marshal would be on top of that. (laughs) Right? Fire marshal shut down roast battle one time. I'm sure they'd be on top of this shit. (laughs) Here's the thing. Neighborhood Watch forgot their glasses. Mm? <laughs> mm? Mm. Mm. But the lion's share of the book blames Michelle's dead mother for Michelle's involvement in the rituals. And he never contacted her family even to verify if her mother had been absent for a period of time or was in any way connected to any kind of alternative religion or anything. And the ritual that she supposedly attended in 1954 was an 81-day ritual spanning through 1955 that supposedly summons Satan himself, involves multiple murders, and murders of both adults and children. And at no point did they ever look at missing persons reports or see if anyone was missing babies or matching the description of the victims. The book also claimed that it required cult members to remove a finger, but again, there wasn't like a whole crop of people missing fingers. It was just a normal community. And the one thing he did do is send her for a medical examination to corroborate her tales of being abused long term as a child. But when she was examined, the only thing they found is that she had likely hurt herself and lost a tooth as a child, like knocked a tooth out. Uh, and that she had a rash that she claims was caused by the tale of Satan but they concluded that it was a reaction to a type of soap she was using. (laughs) That's so much lamer. (laughs) Yeah, I know. To be fair, it was Satan's tail body wash, though. (laughs) (laughs) I'm allergic to fragrances, actually. Um, But I'm really hardcore, you guys. So hardcore. The hardest, of course. Regardless of all of this evidence that would easily refute this account... Lawrence Pazder claimed that all of Michelle's stories were real. And he said, quote, it simply wasn't the kind of thing that you fabricated if you were crazy or hysterical. But here's the thing. It totally is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah what? Yeah, it sounds there 100%. So, right, there are so many accounts of people with mental illness fixating on religious iconography and delusions. Like, this is normal for us. I mean... Yeah. Upon the publication of the book, McLean's Magazine sent a writer out to Michelle's family in Victoria 
and they were shocked at the things she was claiming because they had no recollection of it, obviously. And people have actually sent reporters to them a couple times. Ten years later, when the book got popular in England, Britain's Mail on Sunday sent investigators to her family as well. And at that point, ten years passed when the book had been published, they found her estranged family because they no longer spoke to her. Wonder why. Feeling, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, feeling helpless to combat the narrative that their dead mother had sold their sister to a satanic cult. And her father has said, the book took me four months to read and I cried all the time. I kept saying to myself, dear God, how could anyone do this to their dead mother? Because according to her entire family, the entire narrative was false, and she at no point went missing for long periods of time at the age of five. They had pictures, school records, home movies, etc., that refuted literally everything she had claimed in the book. Here's the thing. If you're going to sell one of your kids to Satan, sell all your kids to Satan. Diversify. You know what I'm saying? That's the opposite Get of diversification. You, you should sell them to different evil gods. Oh, you're right. I'm yeah. sorry. Sell one to Hades. Cthulhu. Sell one to Satan. Sell one to... Bacchus. I don't know. I can't. Yeah. Someone, someone to Blaine Gibson. <laughs> Voice of Clayton. As uh, a prom date. Oh no! 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 no, no, no. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Flashbacks. Uh, so, how big of ripples did this? I don't know if this is a word. How how big of an impact did this book have? Did it blow up? Super big. Uh, Dude, well, that actually. Sucks. We'll get into it in a little bit. Um, there are people still in prison because of this. What? Oh, good. Wait, and I, I hope. No, Wrongly not accused? good. Wrongly bad. accused. Bad. Very bad. Yeah. Fuck. Mm -hmm. All because this fucking tropical medicine doctor working in Canada. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this seems about as good of a time as any to dive into what's now called dissociative amnesia or what's colloquially called unlocking memories. Oh, Fantastic. This sounds very scientific. It's not. Uh, we talked for a while on the last episode about how your memory actually works when we talked about subliminal messaging, and that'll play into this a little bit. But following this period in history, following the 80s, uh, the presence of repressed memories or unlocked memories has come under hot debate because there doesn't seem to be a ton of documentable science behind it. But there is a mountain of evidence against it. So, let's start with the cases in which it might be true. In many cases, scientific journals have refuted claims of unlocked memories based on trauma by saying that statistically, the opposite tends to be true. Statistically, most people who live through trauma are plagued by painful memories of what has happened to them. Hell yeah, dude, what's up? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> the weirdest flex, but okay. <laughs> And this accounts for the lion's share of PTSD patients who've participated in multiple studies and surveys over the last 40 years. But there are a couple cases in which there are exceptions. For example, if in the process of your trauma you receive a head injury or other brain injury, it's unlikely that you will remember that trauma, but this is a neurological issue. This actually happened to my husband about a year before we got married. I think you guys remember we were on the podcast at the time, but he had a seizure and he has no memory of that. Like none at all. Not there. Completely gone. Deleted from the files. Oh. And that basically is a neurological issue. That's the reason why he doesn't remember it. 
We can try and bring it up, and he might have flashes of one or two things that happened that day. But it's not just because it's trauma. It's because there was a neurological component as well. So My coworker had a seizure at work, and I was the only other person in the room with him, and I caught him. But yeah. then, and but then, like since then, I've been like very on edge. If he's like acting a little weird, I'm like, uh. like. And the <laughs> other day, he was like stretching, like he was like doing this thing, and I didn't know because like when he started having a seizure, he just started like turning slowly, and it freaked me yeah. out. So I just suddenly I put all my glass down, and like I got really panicked. He's like, "Oh no, I'm just stretching," and I was like, "God damn it, dude! <laughs> you scared the shit out of me." Well, and I mean, to, to demonstrate the difference, so it was a traumatic event. I was there. I remember it vividly. Yeah. <laughs> like, because we'll you know, for, you're just like, oh my, like, I came home like, and I just, oh like, oh my cried. God, he's dying. Yeah. Oh my, oh my God. God. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you know, if you had an, a head injury, you're probably not going to remember it. Uh, or if there's something going wrong with your brain and that's part of the trauma, not going to remember it. But if you're me standing there, catching somebody who's now twitching and foaming at the mouth, uh, then you remember that shit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but there's another exception to when this happens. So another exception to this is a case specific to childhood sexual abuse, which we will be covering, unfortunately, a fair amount of today. Oh. Well, we'll get to it. It's, it's not going to be as painful as you think. When children are hurt or molested or experience trauma, they may not have the ability or language to articulate what has happened to them or to understand the gravity of what has happened to them. In these cases, as they grow into adulthood and remember their childhood through the lens of an adult mind, they may have sudden realizations that they've experienced trauma. So essentially, the memories were never gone, but they've been recontextualized. So they're remembering something that was not necessarily classified as trauma at the time. They didn't have a way to frame it that way. Mm -hmm. And now as an adult, they're realizing they were traumatized. So the memories didn't go away and come back. Rather, the memories were always there and they're just finding ways to live with them and understand them as adults. Right. So when you're a kid and your babysitter shows you his penis, you're just like, that's weird. And then as an <laughs> adult, you're like, that is fucked up. Why did yes. my mom allow us to have him as a babysitter. Which is yes. a real thing that happened to Andrea. That's a real thing that happened to me. And it's a oh, legit no. thing I forgot to put on my trauma worksheet in therapy. Because I oh, didn't my. think it was important. God. I'm I, so glad you said that. I thought you were going to say fucking resume for oh. some reason. <laughs> have seen penises. Please hire me. Where does... Uh, <laughs> And I, I'm not sure behind the, like the science and the, all the terminology and stuff like that, but like repressed memories, you hear that tossed around a lot. Does that mm. fall into any of this stuff as well? That's or? what this is. Yeah. yeah. And okay. essentially science would argue that very likely your memories are not repressed. You are just recontextualizing them. Okay. Uh, or you had a brain injury. Um, and the last example of people remembering and recontextualizing explains almost all proven cases of repressed memories. So as you grow up, memory recall for your childhood gets worse and worse naturally. Just the older you get, the less you remember of your childhood. So essentially everyone forgets a lot of stuff, both traumatic and not traumatic. And the memories aren't really gone and something may trigger recall and viewing the memories as an adult can reframe them. So you kind of get this feeling of oh i repressed this memory it's like no you probably always remembered it now you just understand it better for sure 
But there have actually been a really, a bunch of really interesting experiments regarding these types of memories. Because memory can be accurate, but it's not always accurate. Uh, you'll hear um, law enforcement say that eyewitness testimony is one of the worst pieces of evidence. Because any eyewitness testimony of a recent dramatic event is unreliable because they're a mix of facts overlaid with emotions and interpretation and excitement and filling things in with things that you've imagined. So it's right to be skeptical about things that we think we remember out of the blue. So they've actually done studies and there was one study where victims of documented child abuse. So this is like adults discovered it happening. We have proof that it happened. Were re-interviewed later as adults and 38% of them denied any memory of the abuse at all. And that's abuse that we know happened. It's just that your brain didn't necessarily store a lot of that information and it can't necessarily be recalled. So you can't rely on what you think your memory is. Your memory is ultimately colored by your emotions, the things that you think and believe, and it can be manufactured. There's actually a classic experiment by Elizabeth Loftus who wrote a couple of the sources that we're using today where participants were given a booklet containing three accounts of actual childhood events written by family members and people who were there and a fourth account of a completely fictitious event. They were asked to elaborate on all the stories, including the fake one, and 25% of them were convinced that the fake one had occurred and added to the story. Wow. So, like, not only did they believe something completely false had happened, but they had created an additional narrative around it because they were so convinced it was true. And that happens, that is more likely to happen the more times you introduce that story, like the more sleep deprived someone is, like there are all these other factors that lead to implanting false memories in people. Exactly. And they actually did the experiment again with another uh, lab did it, and they convinced about half of the participants, so twice as many, that they had survived a vicious animal attack in childhood that would have left them with scars that they do not have, but they became convinced that it was true. And herein lies the problem. If you're attempting to trigger a recall of a dramatic event or memory in a person who desperately wants answers and wants to remember, you have a very high likelihood of actually creating false memories as opposed to uncovering actual memories. Oh, teal swan. <clears throat> yeah. And false memories can feel as real to the patient as a real memory and children are especially susceptible to this particularly when a trusted adult is coaching them and we've seen this in tons of cults where people's whole lives and history are reframed by a leader creating false memories and as much as i love unarius and think they're fun this is their whole deal is basically creating false memories collectively as a group this can be anyone that you place a large amount of trust in for example, let's say Blaine had a personal trainer who told him his muscles were big. That's a false memory. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. Uh. Aww. <laughs> oh no, Blaine. I wrote I wrote that before you told us about being ditched at prom, and now I feel bad, and I'm so sorry. You just all you guys bring me out here for is to bully me, Paige. No, no. I'm kidding. I'm the so bully sorry. becomes the bully. <laughs> 
So let's get back to Michelle and Lawrence. So Michelle Remembers was first publicized with articles in People Magazine and the National Enquirer. And that same year, Lawrence and Michelle toured the United States to promote the book, ultimately making it a huge success. And Pazder made over $350,000 just on the paperback, the rights, the royalties, and a potential movie deal. Oh, my Jesus God. Christ. You know what? Yeah. I just realized that the National Enquirer is just the print hard copy version of someone should be asking these questions. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. Accurate. Uh In 1989, almost 10 years after the book originally came out, Oprah Winfrey featured Michelle as a guest on her show alongside Laurel Rose Wilson, who's the author of another satanic ritual abuse survival memoir that has since been discredited as well, called Satan's Underground. And that was published under a pseudonym. So this was the first time that woman was like revealing her identity. Satan's Underground? I thought that was New York's subway system. It's better than that, like, devil's backside or the backside of Satan that was in, like, episode two, where it was, like, Satan's ass in the book. The worst titled book. Wait, so, yeah. man, I expected better from Oprah and her team. I thought that they would hash this stuff out and, like, do their research. Yeah. I mean, they've advocated yeah. for such things as cult podcasts. <laughs> I think the uh, oh. I think Oprah <laughs> and her judgment's pretty good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially the things that they feature in Oprah Magazine and their podcast section. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to offend uh, <laughs> Oprah Ma- O Magazine's number one podcast. No. Number two. Gonna, number number two. two. Number two cult podcast. Um. I will say at the time this hadn't really been widely and publicly debunked. So I think she was going on the information she had. I think today when you could easily Google and vet people, I think a lot fewer things like this would get through the cracks. Yeah. It also sounds like a Maury segment, not like a Oprah segment. Yeah. Adding to my disappointment. Yeah. Don't you talk shit on Maury. On Maury's website, we're the number three cult podcast. (laughs) And also, we are the father. Yes, you heard that so right. So the father. We as a podcast got someone pregnant and then ran away. Hey, you know what? Maury really helped my self-image. I feel like a lot of people should watch Maury because you watch it and you're just like, well, these people are having sex. So clearly it can't be <laughs> for me. Uh, I mean. Like, if she can get married four different times, I can probably manage it once. Um, Not me, baby. (laughs) To be fair, you're not taking meth. Have you tried (laughs) meth? Have you considered meth as an option? You're right. I need to make some clear lifestyle changes. (laughs) It's an aphrodisiac meth. It's not necessarily clear. It's it's kind of glassy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's blue. Thank you for that corner, Armando. Sorry. This has been Drug Facts with Armando. (laughs) Drug facts. Because Lawrence Pazder was a credentialed psychiatrist and a fellow of the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons of Canada, when the book came out, they said that they had scrutinized the therapy tapes that he provided as sources. But after the book got more popular, he actually withdrew it from consideration 
And they had to essentially issue an apology saying that it wasn't the Church of Satan that had abused Michelle Smith because Anton LaVey threatened to sue for libel. Hell yeah, dude. And he had a legitimate case because, as we know, the Church of Satan wasn't founded until 1966 and she's claiming the abuse happened in 1955, a full 10 plus years before. I was going to say, I just love that Anton LaVey is like the tuxedo mask of this whole uh, <laughs> podcast series where he just keeps popping in and doing heroic dumb shit and he's just <laughs> he's useless, but he's really fun to watch. of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but another interesting thing about the book is that it failed to mention any of Michelle's siblings. She had two sisters, a younger and an older sibling. And it also didn't mention that she and Lawrence Pazder had entered a sexual relationship during the treatment and they divorced their spouses and married each other as the book was being published. Gross! The look on Blaine's face is the exact look that everyone should have when they hear that. Jesus. And which, by the way, uh, I did look it up. The APA, which is the American Psychological Association, uh, has set a precedent that those types of relationships are considered unethical and violate the Hippocratic Oath as of 1977. So it's not like this was a time when it was okay. It was still super not okay. It was always not okay. Yeah, 100%. When you said 600 hours of hypnotherapy with this guy, I kind of figured that this is what that article about not fucking your patients was about. Yeah. Uh, yeah this guy yeah. sucks. I hate this guy. <laughs> well, well, we'll get to a little bit more of that in just a second. But another investigation found that there were no records of a car crash that the book describes, even though all car crashes were reported at the time. Uh, neighbors, teachers, friends, and yearbooks were pulled. And there's basically just no person that's ever been able to corroborate any of the details in her allegations. And in part of that investigation, they wrote a book in 1995 kind of taking down everything in this book. And they noted that Lawrence Pazder didn't actually report any of the sexual abuse that she detailed to the police. Now, it would have likely been outside of the statute of limitations, so it's not like they could do anything, but he didn't report any of it. And they've hypothesized that Michelle's motivation for making some of these allegations may have come from her desire to spend more time with Lawrence Pazder, because initially they were married to other people, but they divorced their spouses and remarried each other after the publication of the book because they spent so much time time together see that the lust is the real devil in this story you know what i'm saying (laughs) oh man if i ever you know divorce jake and marry this microphone you'll know why Uh, (laughs) that's why you do so many podcasts with the microphone uh you're trying to get that sm7d d uh the appendix to the book is actually a reprint of an article called Witchcraft in the City. Is that like sex in the city? But like <laughs> kind of. Who knew that <laughs> Who knew that I could find the man of my dreams by claiming that I was a victim of satanic devil worship? Um, the devil is a total Samantha. <laughs> um, essentially, it's another story from somebody else uh, that is claiming a lot of the same things, only 
that person who wrote that article was sued for defamation and was ascertained that they had been delusional and under the influence of drugs at the time that they wrote that article. Uh, and they actually had to pay out some damages for the things that they said. But in the book, only the article is printed, not the listing that like, hey, these were false allegations and resulted in a court case is not included. Yeah. See, her problem was she didn't have sex with her therapist because mm. like apparently yeah. if you do that, don't have to worry about it. You're the clear. Bestseller. Is that, Best is that right? That's See, that's why Zoom therapy is failing because <laughs> you can't get that physical raw connection that you need with your sexy therapist. If you think if you think that someone hasn't just like stood up and helicoptered their dick over a Zoom call at a therapist, then you are mistaken. <laughs> I really hope not. That's really upsetting. There's a Why lot of people out that? there. I, I feel like I feel like Paige is on to something. Statistically speaking, it's, it had to have happened. Yeah. Even even on accident. Like somebody was like, oh, hold on, I gotta get my cat, and then they get <laughs> oh, up. And then I know that's like, happened for sure. Yeah. Put this out. Uh I deal with therapists at my day job all the time, and a lot of times they don't know the camera is on. So that's happened to me. Oh, you've, had, you've been dick no. helicoptered. Wait, a therapist <laughs> flashed you? Not, not dick helicoptered, but I've had somebody walk, like, get up and be like, "Oh no, the camera's on." So, like, yeah. Uh, uh, no. Oh my god. I yeah. feel like you might need a therapist <laughs> to yeah, deal hey. with these therapists. I was like, hey, who do you go to therapy for when you're? Ther who therapizes the therapist? Batman. So all of the mountains of evidence to the contrary on these books go unnoticed and repressed satanic memory fever takes hold that same year in bakersfield california 1980 social workers had been reading the just published michelle remembers as part of their training for recognizing satanic abuse no that's not good came a fucking no. manual Ugh. yes when a handful of children came forward to declare that they had been molested as part of a local occult sex ring. What they later found out was that two of the children were coached by a grandparent who had a history of mental illness. Great. Was a, yeah. Was a trusted adult in these children's lives and coached them into false memories. And over the coming months, they told stories of strange sex acts that were more and more fantastical as they went on. Some of them were things like they claimed that they'd been hung from hooks in their family's living room, but they had no injuries and there weren't any hooks in that living room. Uh, they said they were forced to drink blood, watch baby sacrifices, and a lot more. And none of it could be proven. But that didn't stop people because in 1984 to 1986, they investigated heavily into that daycare center and they would end up sending at least 26 people to jail in interrelated convictions despite a complete lack of physical evidence for any of the claims. Nearly all of those convictions have been overturned, including a local carpenter who spent 20 years of a 40-year sentence in jail. It's good to know that like, I feel like our generation or, or the people that are currently on the internet are fucking dumb because they buy into fake news headlines and, like, clickbait and stuff like that. But it sounds like this has been a problem for a while now. Yeah, like, yeah. These guys are falling for it hard. 
Yeah. Uh, parents of some of the children were actually sentenced to 240 years in jail. Ooh. Oh, my God. Yeah. After their own sons were coached through coercive investigative techniques and therapists that were assigned to them to uncover their memories, which led to them accusing their parents of child molestation. Both children later recanted and they were released after serving 12 years in prison. And as adults, many of the children involved in the case have claimed to have been traumatized by their own false testimony and subsequent damage. One of the people advising on this trial was Lawrence Pazder, the guy who helped write Michelle Remembers. Wow. And the most notable case like this is the McMartin preschool trial. Among many of the cases, this is probably one of the worst. It's the largest, longest, and most expensive trial in California history at the time. The massive investigation began in 1983. One of the parents accused a staff member at the preschool in Manhattan Beach, California, of abusing their child based on something their child had said to them. And during the police investigation into the abuse claims... A nonprofit group known as the Children's Institute conducted interviews and examinations with 400 children that attended the daycare. And they were run by a woman named Key McFarlane, who was an unlicensed psychotherapist. She had no training, psychological, medical, or otherwise. The highest degree that she held was a welding certificate. Maybe she should write a book. Maybe she should go work with my husband, but she definitely shouldn't be advising children. Anyway, she and her two other assistants who had no training at all were allowed to conduct interviews with all of these children using what they called anatomically correct dolls and other methods of interrogation that were coercive. And they led to false memories among a lot of the children and claims of abuse directed at even more of the staff members. And out of all 400 children, they determined that 359 of them had been abused based on their interviews. Yeah. Yeah. They ended up filing 321 counts of child abuse leveled at seven daycare staff members from a total of like 38 to 41 children, depending on who you ask. Um And Pazder, again, now considered an expert, was brought in to be a consultant on this case as well. And among the claims that they made, children were saying things like the staff members were flushing them down the toilets and that they had built secret underground tunnels to transport them to and from the rituals. Uh, Again, they said that they had killed a baby and that they could turn into witches and fly, all of which is easily disproved. Proven. Well, I don't know about the flying or thing. I mean, I, they might be they? into something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, got some real slippery chairs over there. <laughs> but after six years of investigation and litigation and a five-year trial total, like a trial that went on for five years, the case eventually is just dropped because of lack of evidence. Wait, hold on. You need evidence? Yeah. To convict someone. Well, not necessarily. Okay, okay. Real quick, though. I mean, were any of those, I mean, was there any follow-up to find out whether any of those, like, caregivers were actually abusing children? 
They or were not uh, because they found out that the original parent who started the accusations was actually diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia <laughs> and had coached their child in their account. Damn. Do you think that would influence them? Yeah. Well, Interesting. and they also found that the investigative techniques used by the Children's Institute were in wildly discredited by the psychological community and eventually all charges against the staffers were dropped due to insufficient evidence and no children from this case have ever come forward since to claim that they were actually molested at the time. Still, that's like, what, five to seven years? How long this court case is going for? Were those 11 years where those like seven caregivers were their lives were just ruined like yeah six years of investigation and then five years of a trial and they couldn't like get jobs as caregivers ever again even after they're exonerated their names are still associated with the trial and with the court proceedings it ruined their lives yeah and throughout the mid 80s as all of this was going on a wave of seminars tutorials and educational videos for authorities basically start to get popular they start to try to train law enforcement and even legal professionals to recognize and fight satanic abuse. A member of law enforcement in El Paso, Texas, actually wrote that most of their teams were promptly dispatched to ritual crime seminars, classes, and other presentations aimed at law enforcement and authorities taught mostly by other cops, therapists like Lawrence Pazder, and churches claiming to be former high priests or escapees like Mike Warnke. But this never resulted in any actual evidence. No one ever found proof of it actually happening. But instead, the legal system was basically overrun with cases that essentially were a witch hunt. Most of those cases were eventually overturned, um, usually due to mishandled investigations and lack of evidence, but several cases are still in progress and they're still trying to get some of these people out of prison. So some of them have been in prison for almost 40 years. And in retrospect, it's notable that the hysteria of the time took precedence over people's rights and their right to be innocent until proven guilty. And it's a huge issue. And if you're super interested in all of the cases from this time, because there are dozens, uh, the Vox article that we've been listing in our sources covers all of the cases, basically everyone from the 1980s. Um, but we can't mention this time period without mentioning the most famous case, the West Memphis Three. If you're familiar with the West Memphis Three, you know that we do not have time to talk about it at length, but... It's a case of three teenagers who were super into heavy metal music and in the wrong place at the wrong time being convicted of the killing of a young boy. And it takes them 18 plus years to prove their innocence. And eventually they are not even allowed to be released proven innocent. They put in an Alford plea. Basically, they're not even allowed to be exonerated. Um, If you're super interested in it, Last podcast on the left did a series and they do an amazing job covering the case, the trials and the actual crime itself. It's one of the most upsetting and terrifying things to listen to, to consider that people are locked up for essentially 
like madness like there's no evidence that they were even there there's no evidence that they even actually knew each other like it's literally one cop deciding that this kid is bad news and just fucking with him and ruining three kids lives yeah Yeah, it sounds pretty par for the course as far as cops go (laughs) i mean fuck the police in 1992 so this is like three years after they're on oprah the Department of Justice actually debunks ritualistic satanic sex abuse, saying that they've never found any lessons, any like they've never found any evidence for it. And they're going to stop training people to handle it. But the problem is that police forces kind of go state by state and city by city. So you can actually still see a 1994 police training video on YouTube called the Law Enforcement Guide to Satanic Cults. If you have time, highly recommend. A lot of pentagrams spray painted on trees. Very, very fun. Is it anything like those old police training videos that they used to, they, they made internally, but then they would share them on the news, like back in the 90s, that would explain to you how to recognize different gang members in Los Angeles? Yes. It's exactly that. Where there's just, uh, they just, if you don't know what I'm talking about, they used to have these videos where police officers would dress up like what they thought gang members look like. Oh, that's so cringe. They would imitate like gang members. They would try to like scientifically, scientifically explain it. Like they'd be like the Latino gang members have a traditional stance in the L formation. This is meant to assert dominance over the other Latinos and blacks. And whenever they said that, by the way, there was such a weird emphasis where they'd be like, blacks. (laughs) The back of the throat. Yeah, it's real bad. I just imagine it's like the Wendy's training videos where it's like really bad music, shit production value. And then they're like, cracking jokes about cracking down on Satan. Our patties are square because we don't cut corners. Yeah, Because um, they're made out of children. <laughs> I just want to know if the Satanic Panic police training video covers which jelly bracelet means your child is having sex with the devil. <laughs> this is before the jelly bracelets, but like, it might red. as well. Uh, he's in like a black trench coat. And he's just like walking through a public park and he's like, public parks like these are where these rituals are taking place. And you're like, no, they're not. Is this the beginning of Unsolved Mysteries or a police training video? (laughs) It sounds like a dude who watched a lot of Unsolved Mysteries who happened to have a camcorder and is like, I'll make it. (laughs) (laughs) A camcorder. I forgot about those. What is that? It's oh, in- fuck you, fuck your young ass face. <laughs> Damn it! I was gonna explain it because I thought he really didn't Thank know. You, Blaine. Oh my god! It's Holy so big. Shit. Do you have a camera collection? Uh, no. This is my old. This is my family's. Wait, I can't tell camcorder. if that's a really big camcorder or if Blaine is just really tiny. <laughs> no. Okay. I. I will- <laughs> I, I will come to Blaine's defense here and say that we had that same camcorder growing up, and I do yeah. remember it, and it is quite large. Oh, I thought it's... that was just one of those pocket camcorders, but next to Blaine, you know. <laughs> Common mistake. No, I have like about 40 VHS tapes that I'm trying to digitize and get through. There's one of them uh, where I fall down the staircase, and I'm it's like it's like a legend in my family. So like I'm trying Justin to find that Trudeau. One. <laughs> do you Wait, guys? What? 
Oh, Justin Trudeau, uh, Prime Minister of Canada. Uh, yeah. There's this great interview where he's like, he's talking, in, I believe he's talking in French, and they like dub it over, and he's like, I have this uh, very good uh, uh, prank that I do at like uh, parties where, um, you know, everyone's having like a great time, and then uh, I just do this. And then he just falls down the stairs. Wow. And he's like, yeah, I learned how to fall down stairs without it hurting, so I just do that all the time. And, uh, you know, other than, I mean, it seems like his two greatest party tricks are falling downstairs and brown face. Yeah, I was <laughs> say. I wonder if he ever did both at the same time. And it's just like, there's brown oh, paint no. all over my stairs, Justin. And your fucking costume made everyone really uncomfortable. I think that the falling, falling downstairs trick is like all fun and games until you reach a certain age and then people start making you get life alert. And then <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say until you actually fall down the stairs and everyone's like, that's just Justin. Classic him. Yeah. You're just like, <laughs> people in my life have done that to me by not like necessarily falling downstairs, but by making me believe that something bad has happened so many times that when it actually happens, they don't believe it. Okay. <laughs> a whole cry wolf situation. Very good. It's Very me. Good. It's me. I used to. I used to. I used to pretend that when she would hit me, that it hurt really bad, because she thought that at any time she touched me, she would just be like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." And it's like, no, I'm, I'm a fucking giant wall of a man. <laughs> yeah, and then one time I actually did hurt him, and then he's like, "Why weren't you even upset about it?" <laughs> You did you fucking need me in the balls. Of course I was I didn't hurt. mean to. Hey, Blaine, it's nice to have you. Um, <laughs> walking off camera. And this is um, why you don't fall downstairs for fun, kids. Yeah, because it ends with you getting need in the balls. Sorry that your HR department for... Thank, thank you. Uh, for this is a very strange mediation. Um, I'm sorry. We're on the same side. Why are you guys yeah, being weird what? about it? <laughs> Um, still I'm funny. more interested in the myth that Justin Trudeau is Fidel Castro's son. Whoa! I believe it. Wow! Blaine, are you okay? Yeah, I just googled Justin Trudeau, and the first thing that popped up was Justin Trudeau, Fidel Castro. Yes, yes, <laughs> it's my new fascination because I mean we all know that Ronan Farrow is Sinatra's son, and that's not fun anymore. So this is the new one. That's that's for real though. This is yeah. yeah. This is this is this could also for be for real, by the way. No. Really? Follow yes. the money. Mm-hmm. Fidel There's like a Castro. short window of time. So first of all, his parents were swingers. And there's a short period of time in which they went on a trip through uh, the Caribbean and allegedly stopped in Cuba. And then he was born less than a year later. Okay, but how many videos are there of Fidel Castro falling downstairs? A ton of them. And he <laughs> never dropped his cigar. <laughs> my favorite thing is that if they ever needed me to i could play a younger fidel castro in a movie wait was fidel castro six foot five he was tall as shit yeah really oh my god what but like, look at, okay, okay but look at his nose and justin trudeau's nose I, i'm looking at him there's like superimposed images and it's right it's all lining up and i'm really scared and uncomfortable right now <laughs> Anyway, we should probably end like end this actual episode but, and then continue to talk about this whatever, but like Oh, sure. No, it's fine. Uh so the accusations of satanic ritual abuse never fully went away. They become the basis for widespread conspiracy theories that we will dive into on our last episode of our series next week with Pizzagate. 
Hell yeah, yes. dude. Yes, it all comes yes, to this. Yes. The Avengers, uh, what is it? Age of Ultron. No. Oh, shit. I'm, I'm losing oh, my mind. God, broke his brain. Yeah. You could have been right. You could have been totally right, and the three of us would have no fucking idea. Next time I get a pizza, I'm going to cut a pentagram into it and eat my slices like that, because that oh, sounds fun as shit. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Like, the middle's just a giant... I don't remember how many sides pentagram pentagon. There we go. Pentagon. The middle's just a giant pentagon and I eat it. You get the five pieces of pizza and you just make them into a star. That's that's another option. Yeah. Then you can make two pentagram go. pizzas. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You've sold me. Uh, it's been so much fun. Blaine, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, always love talking Satan with my favorite Satan's little brother. That's me. Thanks for having me. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I guess the reason you guys have me on is because my podcast, Good Morning From Hell, which all of you have been on, except for Andrea, because we need to get her on still. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I'm still really excited to hear that episode. I think it's going to be really fun. You're the one that doesn't exist. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I want it to exist. I think the show's really fun. I like it a lot. And uh, It is a great show. I think that uh, you really got to unlock that Midwestern mom vibe. Like, that's what you got to do. Because I'm sure all Midwestern moms actually do wind up in hell eventually. It's because they're wine drunk when they should be watching their children. So, yes. (laughs) They're wine drunk and listening to cult podcasts. Don't (laughs) offend them. We were joking about an episode with uh, Betsy Ross, but she's like a like a grizzled war veteran from the Revolutionary War who killed way too many British people. So that'd be fun. a fun, that'd be a fun take. Uh, I mean, there's there's all sorts of things that Andrea could play. I don't know. My sister texted me yesterday to ask if you guys had one with meter maids because she's pretty sure they're in hell. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I like that. That's pretty great, honestly. I'm actually writing that down. That's great. When you guys have Todd and Mikey on eventually, I think they should be Camp Crystal Lake campers <laughs> that have died and are now in hell. Why are they in hell? That's sad. I want to definitely because be those like kids were assholes. Your were Bible assholes. school teacher or something, because like I don't know, those ladies are mean. <laughs> Meter maids? You're like they're too mean. They no. can't be in hell. <laughs> no, I mean Bible school teachers, because they're always you know um, they're so judgmental and mean and shitty. It's true. But like in a polite way. Well, aren't we all? Uh, This episode is brought to you by our brand new service called 23 and Cigars. Do you you pass a weird resemblance to former Cuban dictator slash revolutionary Fidel Castro? Were your parents swingers? Are you Justin (laughs) Trudeau? Send me a vial of your spit and I'll get you an answer when I figure out how this works. You don't send a vial of your spit. You you send the last part of the cigar after you're done smoking it. Uh, I was going to tell people that we're also still waiting on Anthony Fauci's piss. So if they yes, can get back to us as soon as possible. We are. Where is it? Where, show, give give me the piss. piss. Show me the piss. Um, yeah. So uh, 23 and cigars. We'll either get you results or I'll send you a Cubano sandwich. One or the other. <laughs> You're going to be making a lot of Cubano sandwiches, dude. I need to find something to spit in. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Jokes aside, this episode is brought to you, as always, by our wonderful, amazing Patreon donors. Uh, this episode is brought to you in part by Mullet. Just a conscious mullet. Just a, a very... Business in the front. 
Patreon in the back. <laughs> uh, Mullet says, uh, I couldn't decide on a nickname, so I'll just go by my internet handle, Mullet. I don't have a mullet. I'm just fascinated by them. And Mullet Burden is an amazing song by Dillinger Escape Plan. So thanks, Mullet. I mean, it's it's. I don't think I've ever met a casual Mullet observer who's just <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not. I don't have one myself, but I'm like a really big fan of the culture, you know. I like to imagine Steve McQueen's uh, bullet, but it's his son, Mullet. Mullet. And he's he's, <laughs> he's solving crime in San Francisco still. Is ripping the sleeves off every jacket you own a culture? I don't. Kind of. Here's okay. the thing. I got a I got a really <laughs> shitty haircut today where they went too high up on the sides and then the back here I'm gonna show you the back is still like way too long. You see? Yeah. It? Oh. So I'm rocking what I like to call a mole. Oh. <laughs> Why did you make it French? It's not. It's Spanish. Oh. I just feel like we're in the presence of a celebrity because the the idea that they got the handle mullet, it's not mullet 69. No. It's not underscore mullet. It's just mullet. I'm Whoa. like, way to think ahead. Yeah. Anyone with an actual mullet doesn't know how to use the internet. So that explains that. All right. There, there are some kink talk people who would very much disagree with you. <laughs> I'd have to mull it over. Ah. Oh, hey. it, shit. I think I lost hey. connection. <laughs> no, you're still here. No, I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're oh, so Wonderful, beautifully conservative use of the soundboard. <laughs> oh, oh my happen. God. Blaine, Blaine Gibson, comedy genius. Uh, where can people find you online? Uh, uh, like I said earlier, they could find me uh, over at Rooster Teeth. Uh, I'm on a podcast, Good Morning from Hell. Uh, soon to have Andrea Gazette on. Uh, I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at B Gibbles on Twitter and at the underscore Blaine on Instagram. Post a lot of dumb shit there. I love it. I love Blaine's uh, videos. They're really, really funny and they make me laugh every time I see them at three in the morning. Um, That's when I post uh you can if you want to find me online you can do so on instagram or twitter at mondo does stuff that's m-a-n-d-o does stuff uh hey guys it's andrea here uh if you want to send me your very favorite repressed memory um <laughs> please send them to me at andrea gazetta on instagram uh i have some cool stuff coming up in the next couple weeks hopefully um i'm working on a really interesting project involving hoodies so follow me on instagram for more details and i love you Bye. i'm really excited they look sick as fuck i'm really Hashtag i hope they turn out we'll summer see. yay um if you want to send me your recipes for the most satanic pizza you can come <laughs> up with, you should send that to me at Paige Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram or TikTok. And if you like our show, you can follow us on Instagram at Colt Podcast. Or on Twitter at Colt Podcast Show. You can also send us an email with a recipe for your most satanic pizza uh, to Colt Podcast Show at gmail.com. And if you want to have a satanic pizza delivered to us, you mm. could send that to 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Light the, the Shining. Oh, Los Angeles, California, 90065. Wait, if they send you a pizza there and it's a P.O. box, then it's just going to be a nasty, smelly P.O. box. 
It'll be a PU box. Oh, shit. Hey, there. Oh, God. I think I disconnected again. Oh, no. You're shut up. You're so mean. Armando doesn't like dad jokes because of his relationship with his father. He's such a dumb shit. I don't know how he managed to get a screen cap of you looking like you're ready to shoot up a school. <laughs> but there it is. That is the look on your face. Um, I'm going to say for this episode, don't drink romantic glasses of wine with your therapist. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Bad idea. And don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye. Bye.